Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you for joining us on The Change Artist, where we bring our listeners stories and great advice for leading and following through change from business leaders who are making a difference in their organizations. I'm your host, Alyssa Cox, and here on The Change Artist, our motto is, if change is the only constant in life, then let's do it better. And this season, we're focusing specifically on social change and how we apply the lessons of organizational change management to drive outcomes in the social sphere. So I wanna jump right in. Priya, how do you define social change? Hi, Alyssa, thank you so much for having me here. So for me, social change is when the society breaks down barriers, power dynamics, and systems based on biased uh, structures to provide a pathway for opportunities, access to resources, and access to opportunities equal opportunities for all. At Storycatchers, we work with young people who have been impacted by the carceral system. So for us, the social change is when our young people, the young people of Storycatchers get equitable opportunities to really pursue productive futures of their choice. I love that. Now, for those of you who don't know her, Priya Shah is the executive director at Storycatchers Theater. As she mentioned, it's a community organization focused on helping justice-involved youth work through trauma and build social and emotional skills to help them chart a course for success as they move forward in their lives. So when we talk about barriers, do we see a consistent set of barriers for the youth that you're, you're, you're working with, or are the barriers that they're facing really individual? So what we see is a lot of times the zip codes in our city, in our nation, really define the pathway that young people can pursue, right? So uh, many times the young people that we work with have faced barriers since their childhood. You know, when we think about access to resources like education, healthcare, food access, uh, access to community centers, access to safe daycares, all of those don't exist in the communities of the young people we work with. And that can create incredible barriers for the young people. Also, many times the young people that we work with, their families are also facing the barriers and and lack of access to resources in the communities. We are seeing the needle move a little bit in, in driving investments into the communities, but it's not fast enough. And the more access that we can give to resources to the communities, to the families, to the young people, to their families, uh, we can see those pathways increase and we can see the barriers break down. So if we're dealing with some barriers that are, are sort of unique to an individual and some barriers that are in fact experienced on a, on a national scale among affected populations, how do you strike the right balance between having a big impact on a relatively small number of people and perhaps broadening your net and having perhaps a, a smaller impact on a much larger scale? How do you balance that as you think about your mission? You know, and I'm going to take a step back, right? And I think about our own kids, our nephews and nieces, right? Each one of them have a highly individualized pathway to their growth and their success. They may have similar kind of uh, socioeconomic structures around them, but one of them may love sports. One of them may love arts. You know, there's different kind of education elements, different kind of teaching pathways, different opportunities given to them 
to pursue productive futures, which is why I always say on a macro level, if you're thinking about creating that change on a macro level, oftentimes those are policy reforms, right? Where you have policy changes really driving, breaking down barriers and breaking down structures. Now, if you look at giving direct service offering, which is working with the young people, that's relationship-based. That's when we really have to get to know the person, really understand their goals, their aspirations, their talents, uh, their backgrounds, understand their story, you know, where have they come from, and then create an individualized program for them to really create and give them that access and that support and the goal structure to help them get their goals, right? And I think that's where I want to differentiate between macro level change and then also working with an individual person, right? And I understand as, as just like, you know, many other organizations, even in nonprofits, we do have to manage scope. We have to manage what we can offer. But at that, at that time, we really have to be very intentional about understanding, okay, if we are going to scale, what is it that we're going to trade off? Can we do those trade-offs? And is that detrimental? Is that supporting the communities we work with or is that harming? So we really have to understand that. So we have to be able to make intentional decisions that is furthering the success of the young people and the communities that they live in. And then if there is some elements of the programming that we want to be able to scope out so that we can scale, we really need to understand what's our support structure. You know, as an organization, as a small nonprofit, we are in part of an ecosystem. Uh, and I understand, and, you know, I've always said that we are part of an ecosystem and we have to be able to create strong partnerships and strong relationships with other organizations so that we can work hand in hand towards the young person's success. But it all falls down to relationships. These are young people we are working with. And when we are working with our partners, we also have to make sure that that relationship is formed. It has to be a very individualized relationship where the biggest successes that we have seen, where young people who have graduated from story catchers have pursued productive futures, have been when we've really known the organizations we partner with. We know the people who work there. We share information. There's transparency. Uh, there's communication within two different organizations of what are our, our outcomes and what are your outcomes. And let's lean in into each other to really close the gap. Many times organizations start driving partnerships and start building these large partnerships. But where it can break down is when decisions are made top down and when the two organizations are not leaning in. And here's where sometimes even the power dynamics comes in, right? A smaller nonprofit we are a smaller part of the ecosystem. And that's where I feel like larger institutions could lean in more because they do have resources. We are here, we are, you know, we really wanna build the relationships with the large institutions. We wanna build the relationships and refer the young people we work with to for resources, for opportunities, for long-term growth. We do need to lean into each other and share that information and create those relationships so that our young people can have a smooth pathway to continue their growth. And so I like that you talked about not fulfilling your mission as a standalone organization, right? That fulfilling the true mission goes beyond sort of the, the bounds of Storycatcher's programming and it is continued with partner organizations. 
Talk to me a little bit about that dynamic between a small organization like Storycatchers and perhaps larger organizations or, or national organizations. How do you think about identifying the right organizations with whom to partner and how to ensure that the youth that work through your program are getting the right opportunities as they go to exit the program into sort of the support of another organization? Yeah, uh, I, the biggest thing is that we have to align philosophically, right? I mean, as our guidelines of young people being the authors of their own story and their own life, that young people are the decision makers on their of their life. They know their story the best. And when they are given the tools and the support structure that they can really take the pathways to their life forward in a very successful manner. And we would partner with organizations who align with us uh, with the same philosophy and guidelines. And we've had success. You know, one of the partners we've had, Amplify Chicago, they believe in the same philosophy as us. And we've had strong amount of success when young people have graduated Storycatchers, Changing Voices program and gone into Amplify and created successful productive pathways for themselves. So those are the relationships we want to build. The other relationships we would want to build is support structures for any kind of resource support. Um, so education resource support structure or housing resource support structure. So those are the other relationships that we want to rely on or we partner on and get the support structure for you know getting our young people in a place where they can then have stable lives and pursue productive futures. And so we've talked a little bit about partnerships with other enabling organizations who are working directly with the youth, right? Who are working as youth graduate from your program to continue their individual journeys. What about partnerships on a more macro level, right? Partnerships with organizations who are attacking these problems from a policy perspective. We collaborate with organizations like Illinois Justice Project. Um, they are an advocacy company that is working on reforms in the juvenile justice space. And there are many ways to collaborate, you know, and again, this kind of goes to what does equity look like, right? And in, in advocacy, we provide platforms for the young people of Story Catchers to tell their stories. And our partners and collaborators at Illinois Justice Project come to us with certain policy reforms that they want to pass through, which is going to break down barriers for the young people. And uh, we have those conversations about, can we really support that effort by empowering the young people of story catchers to share their stories in those spaces by providing that we are also giving the power back to the young people to tell their stories. And we're giving the power to the young people to advocate for themselves. Because they are the ones who are talking about their stories. They are the ones that are moving the needles and hearts and minds of policymakers and legislators. And they're doing that through a platform that other advocacy companies or organizations have created. And I like the emphasis here on helping the young people pursue stable lives and, and drive their own futures, turning the young people into change agents for their own situations. What are some of the keys because I'm assuming that not all of the youth that come into the program perceive themselves to be empowered change agents for their own situations. How does the organization go about helping youth make that transition from taker of an environment to change agent for themselves? 
and it's a, it's a very interesting question. So when I first started with Story Catchers, that's exactly what I asked one of our uh, music director composers, very talented, Sean Wallace, you know, where does that switch go, right? And it's a process, it's not linear, right? So when young people meet Story Catchers, at Story Catchers, uh, our team works with the young people to um, tell their real life stories, to reflect on their real life stories, to understand their actions and consequences through the building of relationships, through building of mutual trust, through getting to a point where, you know, they are understanding the team dynamics, seeing each other's stories, having similar experiences, um, going out to the communities and sharing their stories with kids, younger kids, seeing themselves as mentors and leaders going to different opportunities where they go to colleges or they would go to companies and seeing themselves in that roles in the future. All of those are the components that add up to having the young people we work with envision a productive, different future for themselves. And I think that it, it isn't one or two dynamics, one or two factors that change that. It really is a non-linear arc in some ways. It is that constant relationship building, consistent support, consistent mutual respect, consistent team building dynamics, working with each other, and making sure that they get to see other role models in different professional areas where they could envision themselves. And all of those components lead to a place where young people know okay, this is a place where these are the goals I want to create, or these are the goals I want to create for myself and work towards um, develop their pathways. And so if each youth is following sort of a nonlinear pathway, and we're talking about a change in mindset, a change in behavior, a change in attitude, that it's more empowering and more empowered, how do we think about measuring outcomes in this space, right? Because if I think about you know, a traditional recidivism measure, that measure feels sort of insufficient to the mission of the organization. And so how do you think about measuring outcomes? You know, recidivism especially is, is based on a bias system. So having a bias metric on top of a bias system is, is causes more harm rather than growth, right? In every single social impact organization, you will have all the leaders say that that is definitely the number one uh, challenge we have is how do we talk about these outcomes and social emotional outcomes, which are, like I've said, not very tangible, but you see it, you see the change, you see the young people just getting out of their shell and, and realizing their potential and driving towards the change and becoming a change agent themselves or, you know, knowing that they're going to pursue productive pathways and, you know, making choices that are productive for themselves. In our learning, what we found is that creating equitable outcomes means that you, we have to have young people's voices and the staff and the team that works with the young people very closely, their voices on the table while defining what those outcomes were. To anyone who is looking into saying, okay, how are you gonna measure those outcomes? I would say that we always have to balance defining the outcomes, inspiring with those outcomes, but also how do we measure, but not having those measurements in some ways 
hold back the conversation of what the social social issue is. The realization that we are here because of deep level of injustices, decades of injustices, or centuries of injustices, really, that's where we are here. I think that there is some discussion that we need to have to really say, okay, we know the outcomes. We're going to define the outcomes with the young people and the communities on the table and the staff that works on the table. Now, if you're going to measure these outcomes, how do we do it in an equitable way, right? And how do we do it in a way that is going to only support the cause rather than cause any harm? I think it's interesting to think about measurement because in many cases, easy to understand metrics are a way of understanding at a very surface level what it is we're talking about and whether we're successful. And we have to guard ourselves in the case of social change against dehumanizing metrics when our mission is fundamentally a rehumanizing mission. Absolutely. Yes. This is where we have to look at uh, the growth of the young person and the growth of the child holistically and understand that all of these factors are needed for the growth of that, that young person. People have to understand that the communities that are working with the young people and the young people themselves really understand their growth the best. When we are defining metrics, if those metrics are defined to understand and comprehend how we can improve the process, I think that that's valid. But if it is obstructing community organizations from providing the impact that they want to impact, and when they know that this is the right kind of process or right kind of program to give the impact to the young people, I think that can be harmful. Now, I know we're coming up on the end of our time here, but before we go, what is one piece of advice that you can give our listeners so that they can start to move the needle on social issues that resonate with them? I obviously would say everybody has to vote. (laughs) You have to vote on a larger scale. If you want to really see policy change, you definitely want to make sure that the policymakers understand uh, that they're the right kind of policymakers in positions and the right decision happening around policy, because those are broad strokes changes that happen when it comes to uh, reforms, right? And then on uh, organizational scale, really get to know the organization, go to their events, um, listen to their team members, listen to you know their leadership, their board members, get to know their mission and I always say show up, you know, show up to the events, show up to conversations and panel discussions. And once they understand that, and once they understand what they're connecting to, then they, then they can figure out, do they want to be a volunteer? Do they want to be a board member? Do they want to be a donor? Just show up. Well, thank you, Priya. I know I've learned a lot today and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Now, if our listeners want to connect and learn more about Storycatchers and its mission, how should they go about doing that? Yeah, so I would ask all of you to please go to www.storycatcherstheater.org. Uh, and you can get to know about the organization there. And then on the events phase, you can see an event on October 17th. So join us on October 17th for an intimate conversation in person at Goodman Theater or online with our staff and the team at Cook County Juvenile Temporary Detention Center. And so we're going to discuss how 
through the pandemic, we remotely collaborated with the detention center to keep the Story Catchers program running. So I hope you can find reasons for optimism through that program. Absolutely. And I would definitely encourage everyone, uh, everyone to join and see if they can join that conversation. Uh, this is really a, an amazing organization that faced quite a few challenges continuing to reach students and, and youth during the pandemic. And so um, absolutely would recommend folks join that event. And I will be sure to include those links in the show notes. I really appreciate your time and perspective here. Hopefully our listeners can take your advice and apply it to their own teams. Now, if any of our listeners would like to bring these kinds of conversations to their own organization, you can visit us at blueswiftconsulting.com to schedule an intro call. Thanks again, Priya. Thank you, Alyssa.